Hello, and welcome to the Why Behind the Buy, a podcast for marketers focused on finding and targeting their ideal customers at scale. I'm your host, Monique Ruiz, and today's episode is a continuation of a topic we discussed in July's podcast. If you remember back, I had my colleague Jeff Bickle on with me talking about marketing attribution, measurement, and a little bit about identity graphs. Well, a lot of you still have questions about identity graphs, so we figured, why not do an episode totally dedicated to demystifying this new-ish marketing solution? So I have a new expert in the studio with me today to help answer any and every question you might have about identity graphs, and that's Barney Marvin, SVP of Digital Solutions here at Claritas. So Barney, thanks for joining me on today's podcast. Well, thanks for having me. This is a, a lot of fun. I appreciate the opportunity. It's my first time and look forward to talking today. Awesome. Well, would you mind telling our listeners out there what you do here at Claritas just so they can get a sense of your areas of expertise a little more? You bet. I have been with Claritas since January of this year. I was part of the acquisition process where we merged four companies together to really kind of advance our position around Identity Graph. My background was CRO with AcquireWeb and have spent over 25 years in the data business, over 15 of that in the digital ecosystem. And, uh, you know, AcquireWeb had a lot of expertise in email and IP and mobile ad IDs. With the July episode of the Why Behind the Buy that I just mentioned, it was called Measuring Success in an Omnichannel World. And we gave a brief description of what an identity graph is. So basically, an identity graph houses vast amounts of data points, and they're all related to consumers in their online and offline behaviors. And it can be anything from browsing history to device IDs and contact information. So the identity graph connects all these points of data back to an individual to kind of form a more complete profile of who they are so that marketers like you listening at home can hopefully send them more relevant content when they're actually in market for products and services. Barney, is that the simplest way you can think of to break down what an identity graph is for someone who maybe has no prior knowledge? Um, Monique, I think you did a fantastic job of summarizing that. If you were asking me to, you know, kind of pare that down a little, a little bit further, I would say this, that most people are familiar with the database, a list, a list of people, a, a list of addresses, a list of emails. And and when you talk about identity, those things are all identity. The, the graph aspect of it is as kind of you described. It's it's bringing the, the other parts and pieces together and looking at various elements of those pieces to connect the dots. So can you connect a device to a person? Can you connect an email to a person? Can you connect a person to a house? So on and so forth. So I, I, I like your description, and that would be the only thing I would add to it. And I think you touched on it a little bit just now, but what exactly was the pain point that identity graphs were created to solve? Well, from a marketer's perspective, it was very much about being able to understand and connect with people. So, you know, a lot of silos. Even before the internet, you had people who could walk into a dealer's lot and purchase a car, but you know the car manufacturer had no idea who that was. And you know, you somebody could walk into a store, but the manufacturer of that product wouldn't know who purchased right. their products. Then, when you layer on top, you know, the internet and the way people are consuming in a more direct fashion, you know, the end goal has always been how do we understand who's actually consuming the product. 
so that we can create a better customer journey, a better relationship with that customer. The more that we know about them and the more that you can understand their needs, their buying behaviors, uh, and the insights behind them, it just puts you in a much better position to have a better relationship with that consumer. Yeah, and that's all things that companies of all sizes serving all industries have issues with, whether it's like de-anonymizing that website traffic or building their audiences, handling PII in privacy compliant way. This is something that they now finally have better resolution for. So how can an, using an identity graph help a marketer understand conversion uh, across channels? Can you give us some examples of that? Absolutely. When you think about the graph and the way in which a brand interacts with a consumer, the, this gives you the ability to track the various components. So did you send them an email? Did you send them a postcard? Was an ad served in your social media stream? Did you see a display ad when you were out on you know, your, your favorite sports channel? Did you see a television ad? All of these things are constantly going on. And without the identity graph, you don't have the ability of understanding whether that messaging, that interaction with that consumer had an impact on the transaction that they bought. And so the beauty of our graph is that we can connect those dots mm-hmm. and, and allow people to look at the conversions, the transactions, you know, who's purchasing, what's influencing those purchases. And then candidly, you know, the people that aren't and why, so that maybe you can finish that cycle. Right. And to add to your examples, one of our previous podcast guests, James Heller, who's the CEO of Rapify, he came on and he talked about understanding conversion from his mobile out-of-home advertising services that extended beyond impressions, which when he started his business, that was thought to be practically impossible for the type of service that he offered. So that's the kind of solution that an identity graph can provide. It's basically making that formerly impossible possible. So I want to get into some stats. How many connected devices does the average household or person have and use on a daily basis? Well, there's a lot of statistics out there, and there's global stats and U.S. stats. Um, generally, when we're you know when we're looking at our graph, and our graph is U.S. based, and and we mm-hmm. do have pretty much every adult consumer and household in the U.S. I would say that on a person level, you're in the three range, and on a household level, you're in the eight range. You know, obviously, you see the outliers, and we have you know we see houses with greater than thirty, but on an average, I would say that's a pretty decent stat to use. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. And I've probably got that many just myself. (laughs) (laughs) So consumers are using these devices for things like shopping, texting, calling friends and family, checking the news, checking the weather, whole host of other activities. So does that mean that all industries and all company types would benefit from having this kind of data via an identity graph for their marketing purposes? Oh, absolutely. And when, when you look at the, you know, where we're finding success in a, as an organization, it, it, there really isn't very many industries we haven't touched. You know, if, if you have a consumer of product and it doesn't matter if it's a B2C or a B2B application, there is a need to be able to connect those dots, understand who and why they're making those transactions so you can have a better relationship with that consumer. A few years ago, I think the big thing that we were hearing about as an industry were marketing clouds, and now we're hearing a lot about identity graphs. So are they similar? Are we comparing apples to apples? What's the difference between the two? That's a great question, and and I hear that a lot as people are starting to learn about this. I would say that marketing clouds are still around. 
And okay. the, as just they become more prevalent and more common, maybe they're not, you know, the buzzword of the day. Identity graphs are a very different thing. Uh, so the, the way that I like to break it down is an identity graph is, you know, the, the data, the people, the devices, how you connect. So the marketing clouds are used to actually engage with the consumer. And the way that, you know, it, it's really cool, they interact because the identity graph is the fuel for the marketing cloud because you have to have the data, you have to have the connection points to be able to engage. The marketing cloud gives you the tools to actually execute those engagements. So very complementary, but very different things. Gotcha. Thanks for that clarification. So I still have a few more questions that I want to get through with you, but how about we take a quick commercial break and we will return with our next guest and then we'll get into our final segment with you. Awesome. At Claritas, we put brands in front of the right customers at the right time and through the right channels with more accuracy and scale than any graph in the industry. If you want to identify your ideal audiences and make them actionable across their preferred channels and devices, then we need to have a chat about what the Claritas Identity Graph can do for your business. Visit our website at www.claritas.com to learn more. We're back from our commercial break, and I want to introduce you to Paul Rossetti, SVP of Commercial Sales here at Claritas. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate your time today. Of course. Well, jumping right in, I know something that's frequently come up in conversation with clients is the challenge of capturing anonymous visitors to a website. And an interesting fact about this is that there are estimates that say that 90% of people visiting websites may remain anonymous. So when we think of what an anonymous shopper is, that's someone who's visiting your website or browsing in your store, but maybe leaves without purchasing. Is that right? Absolutely. And especially in the mobile industry, where a lot of consumers are doing their research online, but they're still going into a physical store to make the purchase. Okay. So these people are obviously interested in what you're selling and they've engaged with your brand. But the question kind of remains, how do you engage with these potential best customers that are basically hiding in plain sight? And you recently worked with Metro by T-Mobile, who's formerly known as Metro PCS, to solve for this very issue. And I think our, our listeners would love to know that story. Sure. They've been a client since 2007, and they originally came to us to help them acquire customers across both their offline and online channels. And we had such great success over the years that they've recently come to us to ask us how to identify anonymous visitors. Like you said earlier, Monique, we have these consumers in plain sight, but people don't know who they are. And based on our past success, they thought we could achieve this objective as well. And what were some of the goals that they were hoping to accomplish with us? The the big thing for them was to be able to identify who these anonymous visitors were and then retarget them from an email standpoint. And at the end of the day, the ultimate goal is net new activations, mm-hmm. uh, which are new customers. And how exactly from our standpoint would we go about helping them to accomplish these goals? Sure. Yeah, we always start with a pixel and placing that pixel onto the website or different portions of the website. And then from there, we're able to identify the cookies and mobile IDs of those visitors. Once you have that, the advantage of Claritas and the identity graph 
is that we have almost 900 million U.S. devices. So now we can connect that to a physical home address and also email addresses. So for Metro, they wanted to understand who these people were. And then second was be able to execute against uh, an email campaign. Okay. And for those of uh, those of you at home who don't know what a pixel is, it's basically a piece of code for uh, in layman's terms. But what was the outcome from doing all of this? And how long did the process take overall? Yeah, we started with a 30-day test okay. um, where we put the pixel on the site. Creating a pixel on the Claritas side is a very simple process. It takes us less than 30 minutes. And once that's delivered to the client, it all depends from a timing standpoint and how quickly it gets through your system between really with IT. Mm. Once the pixel's on the site, we can measure traffic instantly in real time. Oh, okay. So over that 30 days, uh, we captured approximately 300,000 unique visitors to the metro portion of the site. And we saw about an 82% match rate on visitors with email address. So 82% wow. of the visitors uh, had at least one email address. That's, that's not too bad, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Compared to what they'd seen in the past, they were looking for anything north of 30%. Okay. So what's next for Metro? And what was their response to the results of mining their website to reveal these new prospects? Yeah, I think what's next is continuing the project. Okay. And we'll continue to to do two things. One is to provide the, the list of anonymous consumers, and two is to continue to execute email campaigns. And their belief is that the ROI on a campaign of this nature will be three to four times what they're used to seeing on a traditional acquisition email campaign. That's awesome. And I predict that there's going to be some continued success if that initial campaign was any, any indication of you know the future. 300,000 unique leads, that's excellent. Absolutely. And having that 82% match rate so that you can target via email is something they had never seen before. Okay. Well, Paul, thanks so much for joining me today. It was a quick conversation, but very impactful what we were able to do with Metro. And uh, I'm sure we'll you know, continue to see success with them in the future with other campaigns that we run with them. And then obviously with this one as it continues. So if any of you listening at home want a written case study of what we just went through with more details on how we're able to help Metro by T-Mobile bring in these 300,000 unique leads in just one month's time, let us know by tweeting us at Claritas2 underscore zero. So Barney, now that it's back to just you and I, I want to know more about your thoughts from a provider's perspective on identity graphs. Obviously, that was a great story that Paul just went through with Metro by T-Mobile. But what makes the Claritas identity graph unique from others so that we're able to help our clients see success like this? That's a great question. And you know, I'm, I'm glad that we have an opportunity to talk about it because that's the main reason why we kind of put these four companies together. I do think we have a, a much different presence in the marketplace, primarily driven by the fact that we all took different approaches to solving this problem and, and all did it very well. And when you put those pieces together, it, it, what it gives you is a multifaceted approach to accomplishing the problem that gives you greater scale and accuracy and greater depth of the graph itself. So, you know, I would argue that no one has 
the same level of connection points mm-hmm. or, or ability to pivot across different types of connection points in the same way that we do. Because as people started going down this path, they were really good at you know one thing, postal or email or mobile ad ID or IP, but they didn't look at all of those things together and then layer on top of that, that core Claritas segmentation and insight around consumers and households. And just to kind of add to that, we we do have a website that has a resource center. So for those of you listening at home, if you want to know a little bit more, we've got two blogs that I want to call out. One is, can your identity graph do this? And the other one is six questions to ask before choosing an identity graph, uh, graph partner. So they're free on the resource page of our website, and you can actually enter your email to keep up to date with all of the insights we provide. So just to give a little plug to that. Uh, but Barney, I don't I don't think we can get through this conversation without at least, at least touching on privacy concerns. So when you're working with a third-party provider for your ID graphs uh, needs, are there any pieces of data that they can't or they won't provide to you or share with you due to privacy concerns? And is there anything from either side of the fence, whether you're a provider or a consumer, that you can do to ensure that the data uh, you're seeing is used responsibly or not at all for that matter. You bet. I mean, from a general industry perspective, you know, the advice that I always give is, is transparency. Um, ask, ask to understand the sourcing um, and, and, and actually sample the data. You know, look at what's going on under the hood uh, is the best way to do it. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, if people aren't transparent and can't show a paper trail to what they're doing, you know, then I think it, it, it raises the appropriate level of questions that, you know, you can look for a different provider. You know, if you're talking about it in the context of Claritas, uh, I think there's two key things that you need to think about or two buckets. One would be segmentation or modeling, you know, being the inventor essentially 45 years ago of segmentation and you think about it um, and how it's applied to privacy. The beauty of it is, you know, we're doing a tremendous amount of research, taking a bunch of disparate data sources and modeling them to be able to apply insight to every person or household in the U.S. So we're not taking individual level, person level PII and using it in, in a way that people may or may not see as, you know, a, a privacy issue. So our core capability of segmentation provides a way to interact with consumers that is a completely compliant way, you know, manner, no matter what regulations are out there. The other side of it, or the other bucket, is the graph itself. The beauty of our graph and the way that we have built our graph is, you know, with the disparate parts, each one of them have their own implications, and we can pivot where necessary. So on email, you know, we have a half a billion email addresses. On a subset of those, we actually have permission from the consumer right. where we can document that we have the opt-in. They've raised their, raised their hand and said, yes, it's okay to communicate to me this way. On the other email addresses where we don't have that, they're still very mm-hmm. useful for linkage applications or other things, but you have to use them in a privacy-compliant way. Same thing goes with mobile ad IDs, IPs, etc. Um, each channel has its own implications, and because we have all of those channels, we can move across that ecosystem at whatever level that is necessary to main, maintain not only uh, what the consumer views as a compliant use of their information, but what any state or federal regulations view as a compliant use of that information. Yeah, I think those are all excellent points, and especially the syndicated segmentation in particular. I think sometimes people forget 
about that. So especially if you're in the uh, financial services industry where arguably they have some of the strictest regulations that they have to follow. So thanks for reminding us about that. That's a great point. But final question for you, Barney. How do you think the future of identity graphs will evolve? Is there anything they can't currently do to make a marketer's life easier that they need to do? And do you see them as being around for the long haul? Or are we going to be back here in two years talking about the next big thing? Well, I think you're always going to be talking about the next big thing. But I don't think um, identity graphs are going to go away. What I would say is this, is you know, if you look at my earlier example, People have been compiling lists forever. The reason that you now hear this buzzword of identity graph is that the technology, you know, the the data lakes, the big data, uh, the ability to crunch, you know, petabytes of data, um, that, you know, just wasn't efficient before. And now that we can do that uh, and look at all these disparate points and bring them together in in an efficient way to get the results with a proper ROI. You know, that's why it's more of a buzzword now. So that's going to continue to evolve as technology evolves, as as more data is out there, more devices, um, you know, just, you know, the, the, the ability to crunch or process data in a much more efficient manner, it will get better and better. And so uh, it's going to evolve, but the, the, the roots are always there. The other thing I would say is that the uh, consumers and, and regulatory institutions, mm-hmm. they're going to evolve as well. You know, we have CCPA coming up, uh, you know, at the end of this year, that's not going to stop. And so, you know, the uh, the way in which um, regulators look at how data can be used will continue to evolve and and will adapt with it. And the beauty of, it, of that is, is that, you know, as Claritas, we've proven, you know, for decades that we can evolve. And every time something new comes out, you know, we're there. So, yeah, we'll be back here talking about this stuff and we'll be talking about identity graph. But it might be in an entirely different way, just the, the foundational element still being there. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Thanks, Barney, for uh, joining me in today's conversation. It's been a pleasure and very insightful. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. I mean, we're, we're obviously very passionate here uh, about data and, and the identity graphic Claritas. And so love the opportunity just to get out there and talk about it and always here to answer, you know, any of our clients or prospective clients questions. Yeah. And this is, like you said, an important topic to us. So we will likely have many more podcast episodes in the future that uh, incorporate conversation about identity graphs. So I'm going to invite you uh, in advance to, to join me on this. Oh, I'd love um, to. Great. So I also want to thank our other guest, Paul Rossetti, uh, who joined us a little while ago to talk about a case study that we just went through with Metro by T-Mobile. And I want to thank those of you that are listening at home or on the go. If you've not already, please take a moment to subscribe to the Why Behind the Buy so you never miss an episode. Go ahead and rate us five stars on your podcast app of choice and share us with a friend or colleague so we can keep the conversation going. We're going to see you next month with a brand new episode. So join us then. Bye now.